0: Welcome to Stories Jesus Told, a
1: podcast of Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Wisconsin. Here is Trinity's Rick Adams and Pastor Carl Anbauer.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Rick Adams here, Director of Discipleship at Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt with our senior pastor, Carl Anbauer. Hi, Rick. Angela Axtman. Hello, Rick. And it is Saturday, July 15th, our final podcast of the week under the heading of the persistent widow, the parable of the persistent widow. And today, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us and staying with us. Um, Being on a Saturday in the middle of summer, there's plenty to do. So the fact that you're listening to this right now is a testament to your priorities, right?
2: Yeah, it's great to have you here.
0: Yeah. And so, Pastor Carl, we're in Revelation chapter 6, and we're looking at verses 9
2: through 11, which is going to require a little bit of context, yeah, the book of Revelation is you, you pull a verse or two out and you can get lost pretty easily. Uh, but the the context is it starts actually with John who's receiving this vision weeping because he sees this seal and that or he sees the scroll and that scroll represents God's intent for the human race, but it's sealed up with seven seals and he's weeping because there's no one worthy to open the scroll. And then enter Jesus, the lamb who looks as though he's been slain and the the Heaven just kind of bursts forth with praises. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. And it's joyous celebration. And then the seals start to, to open one at a time. And with with each seal, there's there's a, a, an image of, of brokenness, hardship, unrest on the earth. And it's this picture, much like what Jesus gives us in plain language, when he talks about what what the world is going to be until the day he comes again with war and rumor of war and famine. And all of that is alluded to. And then we get to the fifth seal. And so we're going to read these words uh, from Revelation chapter 6. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. All right. Right into the persecuted church.
0: Yeah, yes. We have this the, these inhabitants of the earth, um, it says until you judge the inhabit- inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Who's the hour here?
2: Yeah, the, this is those who have been slain for the word of God and the witness they had been born, which is to say those who have died a martyr's death. They, they died because of their faith in Jesus.
0: Yeah. And so these martyrs, you know, their souls are under the altar in heaven, I guess, is, is how it's described their bodies awaiting the resurrection. Uh, And I don't know, in Exodus 29, verse 12, Israel is instructed, the priests are instructed to pour out most of the blood of the sacrificial bull at the base of the altar of sacrifice. So maybe it's not surprising to find the martyrs under the altar, their blood is similar to that which has been poured out.
1: I don't
0: know.
2: It's an interesting, interesting connection. Uh, the my mind was going to to Abel whose blood okay. cries out against his brother Cain. Mm-hmm. He was murdered and and it's not I mean obviously it's not there's no literal crying out, but the fact that that evil thing happened when the judge of all the earth is is accountable to to have justice, that blood cries out for vengeance mm-hmm. against Cain and so the blood of the martyrs cries out for god to do something about that to to balance the scales of justice and to avenge their suffering
0: isn't it interesting that these martyrs as they're making their plea to god to have their blood avenged they still re- they still reference him as sovereign mm. sovereign lord sovereign god which is to say that they recognize that he has full and complete authority mm-hmm. right and they're still looking to him to be the arbiter of justice and to make things right
1: it's um i'm going to admit my ignorance here cuz you know revelation <laughs> mm. <laughs> a little intimidating um it's curious to me that i'm getting the impression that uh, that these souls are unhappy or or they sure. Knowing that they're in heaven, my what I've always thought of or been taught as heaven is that there's you know no more weeping, no more sadness. Um, everything is we we know everything that God knows then, and we're um, so.
2: Yeah, Just give me an opportunity to talk a little bit about afterlife, which is, is helpful to do because we get sloppy in our language. And there's two separate futures that we look forward to. One is heaven. The second one is new heavens and new earth, resurrected life. So when we get to that second, when we've been resurrected, our souls and bodies are reunited. We have we live in a new heavens and a new earth, and that's sort of the all the dreams come true in that moment, right? We have that perfect relationship with God, with one another. We live the 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 uh, everything broken about this world is gone. We get to enjoy all things, uh, when we're in heaven, my soul is in heaven, my body is still on earth. God's intent for the human race is still, at that point, incomplete. Now, the best, the clearest statement we get that I can think of is Philippians, Paul, who has been caught up to the third heaven, and he references that in another place, but he describes this moment where he's about to, to potentially die, and he says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. So without a doubt, he's saying, heaven is good, right? It's better by far than to live in this world. And his is going to be one of those souls that's that's martyred, right? If tradition is accurate. So... So, without a doubt, there it is still better by far. These the fact that the souls in this image are crying out doesn't mean that they're unhappy or that they're lacking something. Uh, I think it's, and that's why my mind goes to Abel and his blood crying out. That that blood cries out to a just God in the same way that if I if I see a great injustice take place. In my own family, or something like that, I know I can't let him get away with that. I've got to, I've got to step in and write the scales. It's my job to do that uh, at a much heavier level. God has that responsibility for the human race, and He's so the, the blood is crying out to the Judge of the Earth. You got to set this right. Um, it's not, I don't think it means that the souls themselves are discontent. Okay.
0: This text can provide us with a, a tremendous. Uh, amount of instruction, I think, on how to go about confronting the injustices of this world. Because as you look at the landscape of the world, everything's broken, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's broken relationships. There's broken promises. Our institutions are broken. Government is broken. Mm-hmm. So there's it. it, it causes in... In me, I'll just speak for myself. It causes a tremendous amount of frustration and discontent uh-huh. because you want to see an immediate response to rectify the situation. Uh-huh. And you know, you alluded to—I think you were probably alluding to a, a father-child injustice, yeah. Which is, you have this moment in time when you can. You can balance the scales of justice mm-hmm. within your home, kind of, kind of, <laughs> never to anybody's satisfaction. <laughs> Pretty easily, maybe, <laughs> but there, you begin to lose that, you know, mm-hmm. as uh, children grow older and you lose influence over them. Mm-hmm. But not just, you know, just leaving the family aside, you, just life as a citizen in this country and as a as a human on this planet, you're never going to find the satisfaction. Of seeing things work out mm-hmm. in an equitable way, right, to the point where you're going to find uh, peace and contentment. So, how does this text from Revelation help us as Christians abide this time? Form. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, so it's it's urging patience. Obviously, it's saying God still has this under control in view. He hasn't forgotten the the. The sacrifices made by these who have experienced the most abject injustice—it's—he's it's, still going to deal with it. He's just saying wait a while longer, and and the reason he's saying wait a while longer is because that justice can can happen one of two ways: either the the person who sh- shed their blood can meet justice on the last day when he stands before the judge, or his sin can be atoned for by Christ on the cross who underwent that justice for him in that moment. And so, so God's desire for all to be saved urges this patience because he's still working. He's still somehow bringing out of this broken mess of a world. He's still bringing people to salvation and to eternal life in Jesus. And, and so he can't meet out justice. It kind of goes back to a parable from last week with the the weeds and the wheat or the two kinds of fish, right? He can't just go out and meet out justice and and not damage the wheat not inhibit the work of salvation and th- plus as as i think we're we're kind of it's almost common sense right if we try to mete out justice in this world everybody dies there's nobody escapes from that and so uh god continues to be patient not wanting anyone to perish but all to be saved
0: yeah when my, when i was in college there was a very popular Afternoon television show called the People's Court. Mm-hmm. My my uh, college roommate and I would actually uh, make it into a game because we would try to predict the verdict in mm-hmm. each one. But at the end of each episode, they would always have this closing tagline that said, "If you've been wronged, mm-hmm. don't get revenge. Take it to the People's Court." Mm-hmm. And I think what Revelation is telling us is, "You're gonna be wronged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't get revenge."
2: be patient, wait for God to act. Yeah. And this is maybe a little bit of a digression, but I I think, too, we also kind of need to be reminded what justice is, that justice is eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life for life, that the hurt and the harm that I've done to someone else is done back to me in return, because we live in a society that doesn't really do justice. We we don't really have a justice system. We have a rehabilitation system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. but we don't have a justice system. And so we've kind of lost sight of what justice is. But the, the bottom line, last day reality is justice. And so either I will pay for all of the harm that I've done or Christ will pay on my behalf and I will receive the white robe mentioned here that allows me to live forever as a forgiven child of God.
0: As we pray this scripture back, my, my prayer of praise and thanksgiving is the the very fact that God has this and that he nothing escapes his attention. Mm-hmm. And so he's more aware of the justice that needs to be brought mm-hmm. than than any of us and I guess I also need, would be remiss if I didn't also thank him for not bringing justice to me personally for the sins that I've committed right. that he chose to put that on my savior instead of me. So in that sense, God is not just. <laughs> well, well, he's, I understand. Yes, yes. He's accomplishing just. He's justice. not fair,
2: but he's just. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> that well, that just reminds me of a, a sentence that many of our listeners know from the scriptures, First John, that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just yes. to forgive our sins, yes. and that that word, He's just to forgive is because the price was already paid in Jesus. So it would be unjust to punish us for what Jesus has already suffered for. That's mind-boggling, right? Justice working in my favor to bring me forgiveness. Yeah. And so, yeah, I rejoice in in that. I rejoice, too, in God's patience that he is in the midst of the injustices of this world, bringing people to faith and, therefore, to salvation.
1: And I, I just rejoice in this example of... Um, of the witnesses themselves or not the witnesses but these souls who've been um mm-hmm. who've been slain for his name that if they're if they're crying or they're asking how long and he's telling them it's okay just a little bit longer just go take a rest <laughs> um to me what they've endured you know does cry out for justice when i think of injustices that I think I have in my life that's nothing compared to um, to them. So if he's able to tell them to wait, then I surely can wait too and not take the justice into my own hands and be patient for him and what he's doing.
0: Right. And when I reflect on my own impatience or what I find myself in despair because of what I'm seeing in this world, that really means that, to the to the degree that I'm despairing, I've taken my eyes off of God and lost mm-hmm. my trust in that moment that He has this. Mm-hmm. So I need to lift that up as a as a confession.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. That is probably the first place to go in repentance is is feeling like it doesn't really matter, like God is not not going to bring justice at all that he that, that that I mean I would never articulate it but that sense beneath the surface that he doesn't have his hands on the wheel uh, is yeah. something to repent of request
0: <laughs> come quickly lord jesus yeah.
2: <laughs> come lord jesus come quickly yeah. come and in the meantime uh let your patience bring many to faith and and use me yeah. use me in that
0: well on behalf of pastor carl and angela i bid you all uh good evening for the day and uh, hopefully you'll join us in worship this weekend if not tonight then tomorrow and we'll be back for another week of podcasts next monday so until then may god bless you and keep you and uh, we'll see you soon